Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassner, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King. And welcome to another very special edition of the Guess the Lines Unicorn Challenge podcast. You know, we have gone back and forth on deciding whether or not we were going to have podcasts, you know, when we don't have lines to actually guess. But today's games and groupie were so fun, I had to bring my good friend Walter Fedchuk to come and talk about it. Walter, how are you doing, man? I'm, I'm pretty tired. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm pretty tired from this like crazy, crazy weekend schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a little bit better next week. But uh, yeah, I don't have the same like sunny optimism that you do with the LMS. I'm, I'm, I'm more, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, you know, where it all went wrong. Yeah, see, that's that's the one thing I have going for me is that at the beginning of this whole tournament, I had all this faith in the LMS. And they immediately betrayed me. They got their, they got all their terrible games out of the way. I'd given up, and I and I looked at today, and I'm like, oh well, there's no way that Cloud Nine loses all three of these. AHQ is going to lose this Fnatic game, and they're going to go home, and I'm going to be really sad. And then Cloud Nine did Cloud Nine things, and we're going to talk about that. But we're going to start with the first game of the day, which was AHQ versus Invictus. And I think this really set the tone of the day for both AHQ and Invictus. I'm going to start by asking you, Walter, because this was this Hecarim jungle that Tabe spoiled is actually something that you would talk to some people about before it was brought out in competitive play. So could you talk a little bit about why that pick works and why it doesn't work the way Kakao played it in this game? Uh, how it's, how in my experience as a platinum player, it works, um, is that you're supposed to be like, you're supposed to be hyper, hyper aggressive with them. You're supposed to play it like Lee Sin or in Italy or in Elise, where you're just constantly ganking. Um, E I think is like a really under, underutilized spell, underrated spell in terms of gank potential. Um, especially when you pair it with like a ghost or a flash, I personally don't like Ignite on junglers, and I kind of just don't like Ignite in general unless you're going against team that has really uh, against a team that has really strong healing or really high uh, regens like a Mundo. Just because Ignite is such an early game spell in terms of like really in the late game, the only thing it does is the is the the health regen mitigation. Like that's literally the only thing it does in the, in the late game, and at that point, and pretty much. Most comps, you'd rather have that escape spell or or the exhaust to help mitigate damage. Um, so in, in this case, it's supposed to be you're supposed to be really aggressive. Since he took the ignite, he needed to actively be finding a fight. The second he went back and got skirmishers, he needed to get you know into the jungle and find mountain. It's just mountain didn't you know wasn't in the jungle. He kept trying to go invade Cacao and trying to go find Cacao, and you know Cacao's jungle would already be cleared, and he's sitting, you know, in, in the 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 bot side red jungle, and you know, be like, "Where's the Elise? I want to fight! I want to fight!" <laughs> so, it, it I was, don't know. It was weird. I I thought that it was weird to see Mountain try to counter jungle uh, a Hecarim, who just because of that Q is going to have such insane jungle clear. I don't know what the plan was there. I do think that the, if you watch the first seven and a half minutes of this game, mm-hmm. your only reasonable thought could have been, wow, Mountain's having another one of those Rengar games. Where I mean, Not obviously playing Rengar, but just in the sense of just constantly getting caught out, constantly being out of position. That first gank attempt in particular, in which he's just standing on a ward without any idea 
that the enemy team knows what's coming. He's just standing there. I don't think that would have worked had there not been a ward. Certainly doesn't work when there is one. And it just seems like, wow, you just gave ZZ Tai all these kills and now he's got all these, this, this first blood, uh, you know, well, Kid got the first blood. He's got his lane. This should be easy for him. And then Ziv gets the solo kill. And Ziv starts getting these teleport kills. And suddenly you remember that this was a composition from Invictus that needed to win early and failed to use any of the advantages those kills on the mountain should have given them. And, and now you have a jungler with Ignite that isn't doing anything. And you have an Olaf that has somehow fallen behind despite getting an early kill for basically nothing. And, and there just wasn't much you know, there wasn't much damage from the rest of this comp. I mean, do, do you think it's a composition that you know, could have worked had it been played better, or is this just the wrong way to attack AHQ? I just don't think IG played well. I don't think they played the the composition well. They never got in a position where they could use this this let's you know heavily shield the Hecarim and the Olaf and and chase down AHQ. I think AHQ just team fought better. Mm-hmm. You know, the the one fight that really sticks out to me is the one that happened around race where Kakao runs around race. And because they're coming through, they're coming through the ch- the choke towards the Invictus uh, uh, second tier tower, and they're co- like in the bush there. So Kakao goes around to flank them, while Olaf and um, Jink, uh, yeah, Olaf and Jinx are kind of standing in that choke point, getting ready to run in that way. And then in the lane, you see Kitties and Rookie trying to decide: Well, do we go with? Kakao, or do we go with the rest of the team? Like, for like two seconds, trying to figure out what they want to do. And then they have to flash in to attempt to save Kakao after he's already diving. It just seems like there was a lot of miscommunication and not actually allowing the uh, the composition to work the way it is intended. There was no Olaf flanking. There was no Hecarim flanking. It was, you know... It, it was, a, as the meme is now going on the internet, a clown fiesta on IG's part. It, it was really weird, and I think miscommunication is the best way to describe it. And, and I noticed it most when you saw Rookie getting killed just kind of hanging out on the other side of the Baron pit. It's yeah. like the rest of the team had backed off, and he's just hanging out there. So now AHQ gets the Baron and a kill onto Rookie, which means they no longer have the ability to keep Kid alive, not that... Kid was doing all that much when he was alive anyway. Uh, Kitties on that Janna, you know, that's, that is a Kitties champion. It's one that he tends to be best at, and it was particularly underwhelming, just constantly getting caught out on roams. This was Invictus playing really poorly, and that's not to take away from what AHQ did. I actually think this was the best Westor game uh, up until maybe the uh, second-to-last game of the day. But it was, it was, you know, just a game where Invictus took themselves out of it just as much as AHQ put themselves into it. And yeah, you just that, can't afford to do that. That, that rookie death behind, uh, behind Baron when he just teleports in was, mm-hmm. was about as, as defining of what IG was at Worlds. That was, you know, the, the, the combination of Fizz, Fish, and Darius Dunk into an insta-kill was pretty much the, the summation of IG's experience. Yeah. And uh, and speaking of experiences that 
kind of ended up defining themselves over the course of the day. We have this Fnatic Cloud9 game. Fnatic fans Vigar, Tom Kench, and Azir and says, Cloud9, do something else. And Cloud9 says, no. (laughs) (laughs) What? I mean, this is going to be, you know, for people that, you know, look at this game just on paper, they're going to see that there was a Ken in the ADC, and they're going to think, oh, this was some weird you know, teleport mobility cheese comp, you know, with the cannon in the bot lane and and letting Yellowstar, you know, do that. And it just became this massive snowball. But can you just talk a bit about, you know, how Cloud9 really, you know, not even in a cheesy way, but just took, you know, victory after victory to to make this game untenable for Cloud9? Um, This was Fnatic playing about as beautifully as they could have. Mm-hmm. And and here's the funny thing. They still played this very top Hoonie centric game, but as I said to you during the games, you know, over the course of the day, none of their ganks top felt forced. Mm-hmm. None of none of Rainover's ganks today felt forced. They felt very fluid. It, it felt like you know the 18 and 0 regular season fanatic team just steamrolling everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, the cannon pick was really, really cool, and I think it's a good idea against these kind of late-game seizures because it gives you another form of initiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so this team, their, their forms of initiation are, are NAR, you know, NAR flank, NAR flash, NAR something in, you know, with a Mega NAR. Mm-hmm. Elise cocoons, cannon flash alt or, or you know, lightning rush alt or him flanking, and then Shen. You know, with a flash taunt or a flank taunt or just ulting in. You know, a lot of ways to engage. And there is a lot of damage on this team. Yeah. There's a ton of damage. And it really counteracts cloud Nine style of we're just going to, you know, we're just going to set up shop outside a turret. We're going to siege it down. We're going to have this, you know, zone of control with the Lisa and the Darius and the Oriana ball and the Morgana. And Fnatic just said, no. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're not going to do that. We have a million different ways to get on top of you and to make Sneaky's life hell. And yeah. Sneaky in particular just played god awful today. He had a really every, everyone on Cloud Nine played awful, but Sneaky in particular was just horrendous. Well, I felt like he was the focus for all these these games, and and he should have been. If you look at those first three games, I mean, wh- when we talked about it, you know, it was why did you know why did they beat AHQ? Oh well, Sneaky got incredibly far ahead, and they played this all in comp, and so they didn't really have much of a chance. How did they beat Invictus? Well, Sneaky was just that much better than Kid and Kitties. And so they were able to just steamroll that land. How do they be fanatic? Well, two Baron steals, which isn't really easy to replicate. But, the, you know, those other two games, you point to Sneaky and you say, this guy is so good at taking towers and at being the epitome of what Cloud9 is when they work, which is an objective trading team. And it turns out really hard to trade objectives when you're dead. That's, yeah. uh, that's what we learned at this game is just... You can't take towers and you can't fight dragons and you can't have these cross mass objectives when the other team has more teleports than you and more mobility than you. And by the way, you're dying more often than they are. There just there weren't many opportunities for them to to really take anything for themselves. And and by the 15 minute mark, I mean, Fnatic had like an 8000 gold lead. It was insane. There, there was nothing Cloud9 could do. Yeah, the, the largest non-Bangkok Titans lead at 10 minutes. Yeah. Just <laughs> ridiculous. And, and not only that, but the shortest non-surrender game of the whole tournament. Uh, yeah. And, and to me, 
I, I, this still might have been the shortest game of the entire tournament. <laughs> 22 minutes is nothing. It's it's not great. Luckily for them, there was a BKT automatic surrender at 20 minutes when they played EDG the first time around. Oh, so, I okay. Right. So, so they're bailed out by that. But in games that were actually played out, I don't know if you can win a game faster than that. I mean, and to me, I guess the question I have for you is, does this say more about fanatic going forward or does this say more about the flaws in cloud nine that were finally exposed over today's set of games uh this this says i I mean it does it says something about fanatic that they still have this you know this 18 and 0 style this Mm -hmm. 18 and 0 you know very humble kind of play style where everyone is getting absolutely involved and then later in the day they kind of you know shift slightly back away from that um but yeah, Cloud9 had major, major weaknesses that were, I, I think, just put on for a show Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day here. And uh, it's it's extremely disappointing as a North American fan uh, to see what happened. E- even though there were pretty clear warning signs week one from, from mm-hmm. CLG, TSM, and you know, also Cloud9. It's pretty, pretty, pretty tough to swallow this week. I mean, Cloud9 had four chances, and their second chance was against AHQ. What do you know? Azir, Vigar, Tom Bench, uh, Tom Kench, all taken out of the. Uh, yeah, Tom Bench. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to unbench the Kench. So t- I think it, I think it's still appropriate. But uh, but those three bands come through again. What do you know? Cloud9 first picks the Darius. They go for the Tristana. It's it's exactly the kind of composition that you'd think they'd have. Now, granted, they got Lulu on the last rotation. Which I think was a little bit of a weird. Decision. Watching Incarnation's face as they're like sitting there, everyone, everyone in the building, every analyst, everyone's going. They're going to pick Lulu, and there's just a look on Incarnation's face that like, ugh, I really have to play Lulu. Yeah, he was like, not really. Even... I really have to play Lulu. And, and honestly, I, I think he he wanted to not play it so much that he forgot that maybe you might want to teleport against a you know a teleport twisted face. Yeah. Not having teleport was just ridiculous. I, West Door Twisted Fate, yeah, had a tremendous impact. But I still, I, I, you know, West Door just keeps losing lane, losing lane, losing lane, and somehow winning games. So everybody <laughs> in solo queue, just lose your lane like West Door, and you'll, you know, you'll make it to the quarterfinals of the world championship. Uh, the the big thing though to me over the course of the day was On's Jinx. Mm-hmm. On has really, I I know AHQ is West Door's team. After this tournament, I know AHQ as that really, really good eighty carries team. Yeah, this this is the difference between Western coverage of the LMS and people who really watched the LMS. I remember when I talked to Obscurica about it before the group stage. You know, he was like, "Yeah, you know, people, you know, people in the LMS they get mad when they see Westor ranked as highly as he is because anyone who's watched this team knows it's Ziv and it's on." And Ziv is normally seen as the best player in the LMS region, and On is the best AD carry in that region. I think On might be both after after this tournament. I mean, he had back to back to back games on this Jinx, and this was the first of them. But he blew Sneaky out of the water. I mean, this was a this was a two v two matchup in which you know Sneaky had every opportunity to start you know pulling ahead and kind of getting the same kind of advantages he had in the first week matchup. And there was just nothing he could do. Every single time, 
they tried to engage, it went poorly. And, and some of that falls on Lemon Nation, who I can't I, – I, I must have written AHQ catches Lemon Na- Nation out of position at least four times in my notes. <laughs> I mean it was really, yeah. really poor. But it's not like Sneaky was helping him. It's not like Sneaky was, you know, roaming with him on these wards like you're kind of supposed to when the jungler's occupied on the other side of the map. It's not like Sneaky was defending him in lane when people were trying to pin him down. It was, uh, it was weird. Do, do you think it was a, a, you know, series of communication errors on their part? Or is this just an inability to execute on the level of some of these teams that we thought were going to be better than them in the first place? I, I think it was just teams figured out how to play against them. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. When you play one strategy over the course of the entire tournament, teams are eventually going to figure out what you're doing. Like, I, I, it's so, it, this is, this, C9 got about as obvious as Westor is going to pick Fizz if it's up. <laughs> You know, I've seen the, the jokes that Obscura keeps doing where it's counterpicks mm-hmm. and West Star counterpicks and every single champion is Fizz. <laughs> it, it has every single champion in the game and the counterpick for it is Fizz. Yeah. All the way across. The counterpick for Fizz is Fizz somehow. I don't I don't know. <laughs> They're playing Fizz, you're not gonna be playing Fizz, so whatever. Blind it got to type. the point <laughs> it got to the point where Darius Lee Sid, I was going, I think they played Darius and Lee Sid every single game. At this point. Yeah. And I think they've gone five for five on Darius Lee Sun. And, and this is where I start throwing a little bit of blame on Bubba Dub, who, you know, suddenly got a whole bunch of credit and respect for Cloud9 going 3-0 and last week, you know, back when Reddit was showering this team with montages and talking about how we're going to have two teams from North America get out of the group stage. This is amazing. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and first of all, I, I hope... I hope and also understand that Reddit – I mean Reddit has not learned a valuable lesson. But maybe one day they might if this keeps happening over and over again. But no. second of all, this is the perfect example of like what happened last week had nothing to do with Bubba Dub. The games that they won weren't some strategic mastermind picks and bans guru kind of game like it was with Origins first week. It was – the team executing on a very particular style of composition that they'd always been pretty good at. And, you know, here's the time where if you're a coach, after this game especially, you say, we've lost two. We need to win one of these next two games or we're out of the group. We have to try something else. We have to have a plan. How, how does Cloud9 go into this, this group of games without a backup plan? That's that's astounding to me. Like, what does Bubba Dub do for this team if not come up with at least a second strategy they might use in a game? Bubba Bubba Dub is not in charge of that. Bubba Dub is secondary. He is a secondary voice. Uh, they they had an, an interview with High last week, and it was basically like, yeah, Lemon Nation does everything again, and you know, myself and Bubba provide, you know, uh uh. uh you know, devil's advocate, essentially, mm-hmm. which is fine. But I, the only thing I can think of is they just assume we are always going to get this competition or this composition every single time. We're going to get this composition, which is fair. I think that's probably true. I think every single team, you know, they can get that every single time. 
just with the with the champions that are going to expand, the kind of champions you can pick. I think every single time you're going to be able to get that comp- composition and uh, and be able to execute it. And it's a very strong composition when you get it ahead. The problem was that today, AHQ and and Fnatic and IG and AHQ again were able to you know tip that early game in their team's favor and. Cloud9 has to try and play this very siege-centric, you know, non-engaged composition into a, a deficit. Mm-hmm. And that's nearly impossible. It's like trying to play a poke comp when you're behind against an engaged comp. Like, right. it's it's just difficult. You're not you're not going to get it very easily, so... And that's you know. that's the thing, you know. And, and I, get, I get that Lemon Nation is the mastermind behind this. I, I am willing to... I, you know, I, we've seen that before. He's made posts about that, especially during the North American regionals. You know, whenever you know they'd have to reverse sweep, he'd be like, "Oh, I got a little bit silly in the first couple of games, but we figured it out." But Cloud Nine has been to Worlds before. They know the importance of having a, a good coaching staff. This is not some new organization that hasn't walked this path, and it's not like Cloud Nine doesn't have the experience to say, "Huh." Maybe teams will adjust to a particular strategy we have over time because they've been to Worlds two years in a row before this. Most of this team has been there. Lemon Nation has been there. Yeah. And, you, you know, if, if if Lemon Nation's dropping the ball like that, then you do need your coach to step up. And maybe they didn't give them the authority they needed, and that's on management for Cloud9. But it, it's funny to me that I saw a lot of praise for Bubba Dub after the first week of games. And no criticism after. Yeah, guys, he, he does nothing. Works. He does nothing. It's not a, yeah, just he, he does nothing. Let's be honest. And, yeah, and that's fine. Like if if we want to play that way, that's fine. But then accept the fact that by putting all of this pressure on a player that has so many other things in mind, I think it weighed heavily on Lemonation's play in, in this week's games. I think it's really hard to do everything for a team mentally to be what is essentially a player coach. There are very few of them that work. In traditional sports or in esports, and there's a reason for it. And I think that it's something that it may have hurt Cloud9 here. And and maybe it, you know, there was nothing. Maybe there was no person in management who could have come up with an answer, even if they'd been given more power. But then, what is Cloud9 doing with their management? Why is their system set up in such a way that no one has a backup plan? That's because. Because no North American organization is built like an actual, you know, sports team. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the players are considered at the same level as their coaching staff. And that's the problem. And that's and that's going to continue to be a problem for North America as a region. If you want to know why North America went zero and ten in the second week, that's why. I, I think that's I, I would, the perfect I'd agree with that, Walter. Um, I would agree with that. And and, and we're we're going to move on. We'll talk about Cloud Nine more later because there's more <laughs> games coming. But uh. They had just it's, it's just such a shame because they had so many chances. But uh, speaking of team with a whole bunch of chances, Invictus versus Fnatic, they're still theoretically in this tournament when this, this game happens. This was some hella mind game BM from <laughs> Fnatic. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to straight up say this. This is some hella mind game from Fnatic. Last picking the Riven against Zatai. I If that dude didn't get tilted from that, just instantly, I don't know what happened. 
I mean, maybe it was the triple kill bot lane where Huni, with like 100 health, is, you know, running away from Zatai under tower, and there's a Kalista and an Annie, both with like 150 health within flash range, mm -hmm. and he just flashes and kills them. Excuse me, quadra kill. Qua the bot oh lane. yeah, quadra kill, because he did get the Olaf at the end, too. It, it was amazing. It was one of the best, it, it's, it's probably the best teleport of the entire tournament. And this was after he'd already gotten first blood on the ZZ tie at the 330 mark, which is one of the earlier first bloods we saw in today's action. I mean, ZZ Tai is a guy that, going into this tournament, you know, you and I talked about how he should be a particular strength for this Invictus team. He had been in the regionals, one of the biggest reasons they got out of that regional tournament. He was a guy that played carry top laners well and did a really good job of innovating. And he just looked completely lost in, in, in pretty much every game today, to be honest. Do, do you think it's as simple as, you know, this, this Riven pick really threw him for a loop? I, I, it, or are there things you can point to in his playstyle that have kind of changed over the course of this world that really hurt them here? I think Fnatic just... just there's an interview that came out with, um, with uh, Reckless, I think. It was either Reckless or it was Fabiven. Fabiven, actually. Fabiven, yeah. And basically he just said, oh, you know, we stopped playing overconfident. Mm -hmm. That that I think was the biggest the biggest point of mm -hmm. you know their losses last week was they were too overconfident. They were way too overconfident. They were way too egotistical, overconfident. They thought that they were hot. They went eighteen and zero in the regular season. They only lost two games to Orient. Like yeah, we're the big bad monsters of of Europe, and you're in our house now. And then they got their butts handed them, you know, a couple mm -hmm. times, and they came back into this week, and they were humble. And then this game came around, and they're sitting there going, hmm, what's good against Olaf? How about Riven? <laughs> and, and, you know, Rainover and Hooney played it masterfully. Mm -hmm. the, the way they abused the fact that, he, that Zatai went for this entire consumable, you know, you know, first couple levels, and just immediately went to him and killed him, even though, you know... Uh, Kakao saw Rain over and Ping that he was there. They still got the kill. Like, I just think that that Fnatic was playing really, really well, and IG was was still kind of tilted. And see, that's that's where I want to talk about some of the degradation in ZZ Ty's play. This was a guy that, at least in the Chinese regionals, he didn't make these kinds of mistakes. Going going for these uh these flasks that early, it's it's such a greedy play. It's it's this idea that he's going to be able to play so perfectly mechanically that it's not going to matter. And ignoring the ping from Kakao is the same kind of decision-making. And it just, it hurt him so much in this, uh, in this matchup. I mean, even when, you know, if, when Invictus finally decided we need to gank top, we really need to put Huni down, guess what? Huni still got a solo kill on his tie and fought off the guys that were trying to gank him. That's a really bad sign. Because by that point in the game, Uni is so far ahead, even if you kill him once or twice, I don't know how you engage on this team anymore. And Invictus didn't have, you know, this is a Yasuo Olaf. They want to run at you. They want to knock you up and cause those fights. And they couldn't. They couldn't feel comfortable with any of it. And it certainly didn't help that they were equally unprepared for this Ken and AD carry pick as, uh, as Cloud9 was. And they just got steamrolled. And it was another 25-minute victory or less for, for Fnatic. And this was what eliminated Invictus. Now, I, I guess it's, it's kind of hard to, to take yourself back mentally here. 
But at this point, you've got to be feeling pretty good about Cloud... Like, who do you feel worse about, Invictus or Cloud9? Just from the games we saw after game, you know, game four was done. Uh, Cloud9. I, IG, IG was not going to... I think every player on IG knew that the, it was going to be incredibly difficult for them to even get out of groups. I don't think they were playing thinking that they were ever going to get out of groups here. Um, Cloud9, on the other hand, knew they had four chances. They only needed to win one game. One game against anyone. And after they lost these first two, you could just see in in their faces that, oh boy, this is going to be a lot more difficult than we thought. Yeah. And then uh, it turns out they ran out of time, or I guess more specifically into time, as Invictus decides, screw it. It's the game, you know, we're, we're, the tournament's over. Kid has been so terrible. Let's just put in this time guy who played like eight games for us. You know, no big deal. And suddenly it became kind of a big deal. And as an Invictus fan, I'm really wondering what they possibly saw in Kid. That made them say, no, really, we want to make sure that Kid is still the starter I, I, over this I, guy. I don't think it was the, the swap. I think if it was Kid, they still would have played Callista too. No, I agree. But I, I think that Time played it a lot better than Kid did. I we, think we, Time we... was put into the best position that any IG AD carry was in this game. He had an incredible – he had a jungler that – actually was able to get aggressive in the early game and get a lead and play from ahead and be, you know, make plays and be aggressive and set him up for success uh, by actually having pressure on the map. I think he was assisted by Rookie playing an excellent Lissandra uh, just in general and setting up again, you know, taking out the Vagar, taking out Tristana immediately in team fights. Every time IG wanted a team fight. It was around Rookie having Flash and Rookie just Flash alting Incarnation or Sneaky every single time. And that won them team fights because they would just insta-kill that champion. Because uh, it's really easy to hit an Italy Spear when the champion is encased in ice. You know? Yeah, that, that so does help a little I, bit. I think if Kid had been playing, maybe there would have been some... Uh, some mistakes in the early game that possibly could have done it, but I just think that it doesn't matter who the AD carry was in this game. Invictus was going to win, uh, just in general. You know, I this 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 to me was like Cloud Nine. When Cloud Nine refused to change their play style against IG, it told me it was over. Just absolutely told me it was over. So I was talking to my good friend Skyler on Skype, who if you guys listen to the Less Than Legends podcast, you know that he's been a frequent guest on there. He watches a lot of China, a lot of mostly Korea and North America. And his thoughts on time were, quote, well, I mean, if he sucks at everything, but he could still rend objectives, he's an improvement. He's still an improvement over kid, which is absolutely true. Lissandra was the reason they won this game as far as those fights went, but it's not like they were winning fights you know, consistently throughout the whole game. You know, even up until the 30-minute mark, they were pretty close in kills. Towers were very even. But the one thing that Invictus had were dragons. Their dragon control was much better than it had been the entire tournament. And while Cloud9 was able to prolong it with one steal, uh, it wasn't enough. And as soon as they got that aspect, it was an immediate 5-for-1, an immediate push into the into the base they got a Nexus Tower. They got mid and bot inhibitors. They got, you know, they ended up going to the Baron Pit, which led to another perfect fight. 
And that was just Cloud9 failing to understand what Invictus's win condition was. Yeah, Invictus Cloud... didn't have a lot of engage in this comp. They didn't have a lot of opportunity to start these fights. But they don't need to if they get Dragon Aspect. And Cloud9 yeah. just failed to understand that. Cloud9's problem is that Cloud9's composition is actually perfect. It is actually a really, really good team fight composition around Dragon and Baron. The problem is they need to get to Dragon and Baron to set up first. Mm -hmm. They it, both teams are the same kind of composition. Cloud9's composition can't run into IG's composition if it, if it's a Dragon or Baron. Conversely, IG's composition can't run into Cloud9's composition if they're Dragon or Baron. So it, they just got they just allowed IG to set up for those objectives beforehand mm -hmm. every single time, and uh, you know they. They just they failed. Yeah. Cloud Nine failed. I'll, I'll put it that way. Cloud Nine failed North America at this point. Kitties should not be out ward controlling anybody. Like the fact that Invictus consistently had vision control over that area of the map says everything about how much Cloud Nine had tilted at this point. Yeah. Because even in their losses, Cloud Nine had you know Lemon Nation understood to go ward things. Even if he was dying for it, at least he understood. This is something I need to do for this composition to work. And they were playing so scared. It, it's, that, uh, it's the difference between playing to win and playing not to lose. And to me, this is the perfect example of what happens when a team is playing not to lose. They, just, right. they didn't push the advantages they had when they had them. They allowed themselves to you know, kind of go back and forth between overextending. Sneaky got caught out a couple times for no reason in the top lane, which is... Just kind of baffling, and you know they just they didn't take advantage of the fact that there were very few ways for AHQ to pick a fight. I mean, uh, sorry, Invictus to pick a fight if they wanted to, and yet Invictus got everything they wanted because they were able to prey upon that fear from Cloud Nine, and that was when I knew. Like you, you and I both said we watched all these games live. We stayed up all night to watch these games, and then before the tiebreaker, we're like, we don't need to watch this. There's, yeah. there's nothing about watching this live that's going to tell us anything new about this team. But the last game we did watch live, and, and it's a game that's going to be very hard to analyze and break down because of just how insane it was, but it's Fnatic versus AHQ. Walter, is it safe to say this was the most exciting game of the tournament? Uh, depends on your definition of exciting. I'm not saying best. I still think the KT Origin game from week one was the best, just in terms of overall strategic play. But this was a game where anything yeah. could happen at any time, and it yeah, was incredible. Yeah, th this, this, this was probably most exciting just because of the, uh, the, the Jinx Tom Kench. Like, Tom Kench just saving Jinx at, you know, random intervals when she should have died. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's probably what made it the most exciting. I mean, Fabivan had, yeah, this was most exciting. This had a Baron steal. This had a couple Dragon steals. This had a Baron steal from LeBlanc. Like, let's be like, this yeah. wasn't even just a straight up. This was, I mean, there were so many. There was that weird play where Westor got a solo kill on Dahuni, who was completely caught out in mid lane for no reason because he didn't alt himself. Like, yeah. <laughs> And then suddenly, like, Huni then comes in and gets some three-for-one fight that turns it back around the other way. Yeah. And then I'm... AHQ steal a dragon, gets some inhibitors down, and everything's fine. And then suddenly, 
you know, Forbidden does some amazing ult to get right onto on and just decimates him even before Alba's can. I mean, the whole game was like this. Yeah, this was a this was a spring split fanatic game. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Very kind of rough. Very kind of aggressive. Uh, very kind of in your face. I'm gonna, you know, we're just gonna duke it out. We're gonna brawl. This this was a haymaker game. Mm-hmm. This this was a Mike Tyson, you know, Evander Holyfield game, mm-hmm. where they're just back and forth swinging and you know swinging. And I think that is kind of epitomized by the by the eighty carry pick in this, the utility kind of sever for reckless, mm-hmm. uh, and and relying on Fabivan and Echo and uh, Huni to carry this because. All five games before this, Fabivan was the one kind of playing the utility champion, mm-hmm. and Reckless was allowed to carry. And then here they just swing it around and do something crazy to, you know, give Fnatic the tools to be able to blow up On's Jinx. Uh, the one thing I don't agree with was still letting On get Jinx. I don't agree with that. That probably shouldn't have happened. I mean, you don't want to. Fr- I don't know if you first pick the Jinx though. It's it's not like. It's not like Reckless can do so much with Jinx. Oh, no, I would have banned it. I wouldn't have picked it at all. I would have banned it. But you still leave the Tom Kench, and I don't think that I don't think his Tristana would have been any. Like it's not like his Callista or his Tristana have been any worse throughout this tournament. That's a good point. Yeah, that's so, good. The thing that I think is why why did you ban the Azir when you could have just taken you know banned the Tom Kench? And if you really want Azir like, banned uh, HQ banned Azir. Oh HQ banned. Oh, well, yeah, it's oh it, so the, the, the Maddox was Diana. Yeah, okay, so why are you banning Rek'Sai, and why are you banning Diana, when you know that, at the very least, he'd rather play Twisted Fate than Diana, and apparently Zed is a thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. You you had three bans, and, and none of them were Tom Kench, even though everyone else banned Tom Kench against AHQ for this very reason. But I, I will say this. The thing that I think cemented this game, and, and it goes back to the early game, funnily enough, is just... How much Huni was able to get an advantage over uh, over Ziv in the top lane? You know this this AHQ team works when the side lanes are both doing really well because that mm-hmm. allows Mountain to you know when he's doing those awkward mid game ganks that he's not really comfortable with. Instead, he's able to go farm because he knows his side lanes are doing well, and Westor knows he can roam because the side lanes are are doing enough that these these lanes are vulnerable and he can kind of take advantages and work his way back into these games. But they kept Ziv down. You know, Ziv, even on this uh, on this top lane cannon, he wasn't able to do much, uh, even in the late game. I mean, there just wasn't... He was so far behind, and, and this Echo was able to do so much more damage mm-hmm. that it really became hard... For you know, it became a team that required on to win every single fight, and that was the difference at the end of this game to me. Is that Fnatic had two weapons? They had the Echo and they had the LeBlanc, and both yep. of them were really good, and both of them could benefit from the Sivir and the Shen and the Elise. But you had those two threats, and AHQ only had one, and that yeah. one was the biggest threat in the whole game. I, I think there's a case to be made that On was, you know, On's Jinx might be the best player on that rift, which is kind of insane given the talent he's surrounded by. Yeah. But one guy can't win it all, especially an AD carry who just by the requirements of the position is never going to be able to build tanky enough to survive if you don't protect him. And Albus did everything he could. I thought Albus played well, but without that extra threat from Ziv, 
I think AHQ was really struggling in the late game, and it just put way too much. It just put too much pressure on on to have to play perfect every single fight. And as soon as Fabiven got that one victory, as AHQ went for the bot inhibitor, so they could have all three. I mean, that was over. That was game. Those splash crits, man. Those splash crits. <laughs> it, it really is beautiful. Now, so dumb. What do you uh, what do you take away for Fnatic going into the bracket stage? We're not talking about the individual matchups yet because we're going to end with that. But just in general, how do you feel about this team now compared to where you felt about them at the beginning? Of the they game? showed all three different styles of play that they've shown this year. They showed in the game against AHQ that early season kind of haphazard, uh, rough style uh, that that they played in in, in the spring split with with the utility eighty carries uh, against IG. They played the very kind of egotistical, overconfident style that they played uh, at, during the playoffs and uh, here in the in the uh, World Championship so far, and then. Uh, the first game was the very calm and collected, very tactical, very uh, well thought out, very well uh, approached game against Cloud9. Mm-hmm. So I think it show it's good that they can play all these kind of different styles. They all have their uh, their perks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all have their benefits. They also all have their detractors. And I think it just gives them a lot of utility going into the group stages. Uh, you know whoever they would be playing against. That's, that's very fair. Uh, let's talk about this Cloud9 AHQ tiebreaker. Because first of all, uh, we both get to have the privilege of being right about something. I get to be right about Twitch being a pick that would show up at some point during Worlds, and you get to be right about the fact that it was a terrible idea. So we both get to be <laughs> right on this. And, uh, and that's, that's one of those things where it's, it's kind of like when we, uh, when we were arguing over uh, Cop versus Alltech, and we both got to be right because Alltech did great, but it's only because Cop was able to coach him up. It, it's very rare that we both get to disagree and then both be right, and we really have to savor those moments, I think. When, when you look at what Cloud9 was trying to do in this game, what – I mean, I guess it's just a destroy – on composition, but it it requires players like Balls to execute plays perfectly. Do you think that this was you know something that Cloud9 needed to do to switch up the plan that people probably expected of them? Or they needed to do it against the weaker team in IG. Yeah, that you that that's what it comes down to. You needed to do it against IG, not against HQ. HQ is by by far a stronger team than that IG. And at this point, I, you know, I, whatever. They, it, it doesn't matter. It, it was too late. It was too late to change. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I mean, at the very least, we can say that at least Incarnation remembered to take Teleport this time. And, and, and in all seriousness, the one player who comes out of this group stage for Cloud9 still looking good is Incarnation. I thought he yeah. played well for what he was handed. Pretty yes. much the entire series. Yes. I, I think High's weaknesses were really clearly exposed. He's think, not a jungler, yeah. yeah you're right. <laughs> that didn't work out as well. Um, I think Balls finally was exposed. Maybe all those Diamond 2 jokes that he was cracking last week uh, were a little bit premature. Because uh, that Malphite, I mean, some of those ults, it was just so easily foreshadowed that you just knew that On was going to dodge. And there was that particular one near the Baron Pit, which was a fight that 
Cloud Nine. First of all, going on the Baron pit, uh, you know, going on that Baron when they when they weren't when they were clearly behind and they didn't really need to yet was already a, a very desperate call. And then Balls goes for this Malphite ult that's so clearly telegraphed that On just flashes back and suddenly all of Cloud Nine is dead. Like that's what it took. It took one flash to completely dismantle the entire Cloud Nine team composition. And to me, when you're at that point. It's a combination of a really bad design and really bad execution just going hand in hand in this way that, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, in, in what world does this, does this Twitch play end up working out against a Twisted Fate that has all this mobility and a Nidalee that you know, can so easily roam and you know, this Cannon who has all these different ways to speed himself up? Like... I mean, I mean, is it one of those things where you look at it and you say, well, it could have worked and they just did it wrong? Or, or was this kind of doomed from the start? No, I mean, it could have worked. It absolutely could have worked. It's just, you know, it, Twisted Fate. Yeah. Twisted Fate is a great counterpick to it. Just, just phenomenal. Like, if you're ever suspicious about, hmm, I think this Twitch might be, you know, coming to try and assassinate me, you just all and go, oh, look, there he is. Now I kill him instead. Yeah. You know, because there's a great odds that he's by himself. Uh, overall, I, the, the Baron thing is that's just a typical North American thing to do. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're behind, let's go do Baron. Hope we catch them out because we've played against Dignitas and Coast enough times to know that Baron is the throw pit. Mm-hmm. That's where good teams lose games. I'm sure there was a, a classic Sky and Keep common do not go for Baron tweet. That we just missed because that was the we we decided to get at least a little bit of sleep sometime today. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, I, uh, I guarantee it. But I will say the the play that really made me excited for AHQ going forward, and obviously they're coming out now as the two seed, which makes things a little bit more complicated, especially because we now know what the bracket is. But uh, at, even before we saw how this bracket was going to break down, I, I think as soon as you saw that. You know, AHQ's grabbing the bot inhibitor, and Ziv is being dived by two people, one of which is on Incarnation, who's having a pretty good game, and right. he manages to kill both of them by himself. I mean, that's the Ziv that everyone was talking about as the best player in the LMS region. And yeah. I think this was the game where you really saw how good he is when, you know, it was one of those things where Cloud9's like, ha, you thought we were going to go Darius, because we always go Darius. Showed you, and then AHQ went, oh, you're going to give us Darius? You're going to give Ziv Darius? Okay, fine. That's, we are okay with this, Cloud9. And, uh, and, and that was kind of game. So I guess we got to talk about the Unicorn Challenge at this point. Because yes. We decided not to bet on the tiebreaker because the odds were kind of coming slow to come out, and we didn't think there was going to be enough time to really get a good sense of I, it. I wanted... I, as I told you, I wanted nothing to do with this game just because as as good as AHQ was playing, it was probably obvious that they were going to win. This world has been really, really wonky. It was a really weird world. I, I think that's entirely fair. Somehow, with this strange day that it was, I managed to have a perfect gambling day. I put 15 on AHQ over Invictus, was rewarded for that LMS faith. I then had Fnatic over AHQ and Cloud9. That worked out. And then I had Fnatic over IG and AHQ over Cloud9 in another two-team multi-bet. So all of those came through, and I ended up making up a significant portion of the deficit back today. 
Um, do you want to talk about your bets a, a bit before I reveal exactly um, Yeah, my, my, my bets were pretty horrendous, I'll be honest. Uh, I mainly got screwed over by the anti-IG uh, multi-bet where, you know, Cloud9 just outright failed me. Um, let's see. Exactly. Yeah, so, well, actually it wasn't too bad. I, I, that was the only bet I lost today. Yeah. I, but, I got 30 on Fnatic beating HQ, and I got 20... Six and a half on AHQ beating IG. So yeah, your problem there was that Fnatic was the favorite in that AHQ, so you didn't get a lot for yeah. it. And actually, you bet on two favorites in those games, so yeah. you won, and and that was and that was smart. I got something. I uh, I took the risk on the parlays, which have been very terrible for me up until this point, and they finally worked out. So all the final tally in, Walter, your lead is now down to a mere sixty-eight point four eight unicoins. Oh boy! I made up a hundred forty nine point three five difference today, which means uh, it's in play. Nothing but nets. The uh, the charity I'm playing for that sends nets to underprivileged families in Africa so that uh, it keeps the mosquitoes away from families that you know can't afford the malaria vaccines that would do otherwise, and has a huge success rate at uh, at mm-hmm. preventing these kinds of things. They're, they're, they have some faith in me now. I might be able to keep the esports gambling expert tag on my Twitter profile. I don't have to give it away quite yet. That said, you're still in the lead, and your charity's going to be feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, it's right, love on her arms. I, I, I still got some room here to work with, and now that I've kind of seen where this is going, uh, you know, we'll we'll be able to make some make this lead back up and and stave off. Uh, stave you off, uh, you know, so we can get some money in their hands to uh, help uh, help bring more awareness to to mental illness and and depress such as depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, eating disorders, etc. Maybe maybe this hundred dollars will help them book uh, book Miley Cyrus or something for their next concert. I I don't know if Miley Cyrus is the greatest ex- you know example of a of a positive influence that they could bring in, but I'm sure they could bring in someone pretty cool. I have a feeling I, that she was literally the first like actual mainstream artist I could think of because I don't listen to mainstream music. But. Taylor Swift, dude, do you even tea swizzle? I'm I'm. I'm not going to answer that at all because it's going to lead to a very uh, angry conversation on Twitter from some people. So I'm going right. to take the fifth. We're going to we'll save that for the pop music podcast that's coming later on. Uh, but we need to talk about the bracket stage. Um, first of all, this is the most exciting time for us, I think, because we get to start looking at prop bets, which becomes endlessly fascinating. There are no prop bets on Unicorn yet. Not yet, but they're coming. I, I, the prop bets usually show up a little bit later in the week. Um, have you looked at the lines then for this bracket stage? Uh, yes, but I'm not uh, smart enough to calculate the actual odds. It's <laughs> okay. a numbers I understand. So yeah. I haven't clicked on anything or anything like that. Well, the good news is that uh, we will see. A lot of them I will let you know the prop bets come. And this is the beauty of Unicorn. It's really easy to kind of find this stuff out. You click on the game you want. And when you click on it, you can see the line in big text, and then you see all the prop bets underneath. So maybe the oh, fact that boy. you didn't click means yeah, that I the haven't prop clicked bets on them. are in st- indeed already up. Prop bets are some of the most fun things. I love the way that Unicorn does them. You know, you get the the typical, you know, who's going to win the first map. You get the, you know, the extra handicaps. So if you believe that a team's going to win by a particular margin, you can get better odds. It's so. 
SKT winning 3-0 every single game for the rest, uh, every single set for the rest of Worlds. That's probably your best prop bet, just that's, straight out. That's that's a prop bet that will have some value on it. I'm not sure uh, it, a 3-0 versus AHQ, which is their opponent in the uh, in the in the brackets age. Which I, I'm sorry, AHQ, like you didn't deserve this. You never asked for this. Okay, but which which of the which of the other seven teams? Does like which of the other seventeen? Well, it's only four teams because which of the two seeds should have been sacrificed to tell SK Telecom? I would have. I mean, Coup? Yeah, Coup? I would feel better about Coup being sacrificed. Okay, because at least Coup, like we've seen the Coup SKT matchup before. We know how it goes. It doesn't end well for Coup. So if, if we like, we could get that away in the corner finals and then just you know enjoy. You know, HQ can lose to them in the semis. It's not like. You know, AHQ is, is going to beat SKT at any point if they ever crossed paths. But at least, you know, give them give a chance for an LMS team to to you know not get just blown out three nothing in the quarterfinals when there's finally some hype around this region. You know, I saw the, for the first time on Reddit, I saw people commenting, "Hey, it's kind of weird that the LMS only gets two spots when all the other power regions get three, especially because it looks like they're kind of better than North America." And I was like, "Yes, thank you." Self-awareness is happening. It's the dream. North America has a larger player base. Get wrecked. It, it does. You're, you're not wrecked. Get wrecked. Get wrecked. Anyway, I think... USA! Have, USA! We, we, don't USA. To, uh, we don't need to go into, uh, in, into any of that. I don't think we even need to go into the SKT-AHQ matchup. I think, unfortunately, uh, as soon as you see Faker versus Westor, you kind of know how that series <laughs> is going to go. <laughs> But uh, but, but maybe Ana makes some things interesting. Do, do SKT just play Easy Hoon? I think Easy Hoon plays at least one game, which is just... I I don't I don't think so. I think Faker after after he didn't play what was it Spring Finals? Yeah, Spring Finals. Well, well, here's the difference, and this is what I would do if I was Coleman. I would do it the same way they did it in the group stage. You start with Faker, you get the lead, and then you put an Easy Hoon. Don't so start with easy hoon where it can kind of go, you know, either way. Like, give yourself some cushion, then put an easy hoon, and if he loses, just put Faker back in, and you're fine. Nah, fake, Faker's going for the 9-0. Going for the 9-0. I, I think that's going to happen, but I, I do think, uh... <laughs> I do think there's at least a shot... That, never underestimate how much Coma loves easy hoon, man. Those two are tight from back in the SKTS days. It's 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 not impossible, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, the other matchup on that side of the bracket is Flash Wolves versus Origin. I I'm think, sorry, Flash Wolves. I, I'm not so sure if I'm sorry for Flash Wolves yet. I'm sorry, Flash Wolves. Origin had some had some growing pains in the second week. That uh that loss to LGD and the loss to KT exposed some really big problems in the way that they play the early game. I I would agree, but I don't think State can abuse Soaz. That's the difference. I think Soaz can abuse Soaz. I, I, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think their loss against KT had anything to do with. I mean. I mean. Sunday is good. Don't get me wrong. But Soaz tilted himself hard, and you know, I could see some land swap situations. You know, it's it's possible. I don't. I don't think that's a lost cause. I think Origin is is the favorite here. I think they should be the favorite here. Right. But I think this at least goes to four and probably goes to five. I mean, Car- we still haven't had that crazy Karza game that we know is coming because he's had yeah. so many good but not amazing games yet. And yeah. Anvil's such a good- Not amazing. Yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> it's, uh, but uh, you have uh, 
didn't even mean to make that pun. You have Maple, Maple doing the roams. You have a, you know, NL is going to have a breakout game because he and Sword Art have been very consistent since, you know, since that sub out of Kramer. Uh, you know, Neil's, Neil's I, look, just been phenomenal, though. I think Origin wins the series. I just think that Flash Wolves can keep it a lot closer than than some people might think. I think this is a five-game series, personally. Okay. Um, Fair enough, and but, you could take that prop bet. I oh, and I might. I very well might. That's going to be the most fun part of all of this is that we get to look at all these prop bets, and uh, and it's it's going to be insane. But we have two more bracket stages to look at: Fnatic versus EG, EDG. This one might be the most interesting. This is really this is the true test of: Do you believe that EDG just looked bad because they were sandbagging against weak opponents and? were just caught out in these snowball comps against SKT. Because if you truly believe that EDG could hold their own and they just had two very unlucky, bad starts, then you look at EDG and you say, oh, well, this is Fnatic. Fnatic is not at that SKT level. We should see the EDG that we've been waiting for. But i got to be honest, I'm not so sure that EDG is that team. In the same way, I'm not sure any of these Chinese teams... Yeah, were the teams that we thought they were just you know whether it's poor scrim you know practices which we're hearing about now and in some interviews that Kelsey Moser has been doing over at the Score, or if it's you know uh, overconfidence that's kind of driving them into these weird positions. Whatever it is, I think that there it, it's a, it is in play that Fnatic has more consistent performances throughout, and I think it's going to be a close series. But I definitely don't think this is the slam dunk for EDG that some people are going to make it out to be because they were favored going into this tournament. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I think this is going to be the closest out of the the four series, in all honesty. And I think a lot of it's going to rely on, does, is Clear Love able to play like Clear Love? Because mm-hmm. throughout the course of the tournament, he, is, he has not looked like Clear Love. Yeah. He, is, he has looked like uh, a mortal. Let, let's put it that way. He has not looked like Kate, he's not looked like Kate Upton. Yeah, and it's uh, and it's funny because I don't like if you think who's the best jungler at this tournament so far. Bengi. Yeah, you'd either have my to process go, of elimination. It's Bengi. Yeah, you'd either have to go Bengi or you'd have to really squint for like a. Well, Karza had a couple bad games, but given how hard people had to play to stop him, but it's it's score. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird how the jungle has looked so far in this tournament. I, I'd so, probably say Bengi or score. Someone's got to make the step forward. And speaking of score, that's the last one. It's the uh, KT versus the Ku Tigers. And this is a matchup we've seen. Uh, it was a really close matchup when they played on 515. This, this, is, this is a 3-1. I just don't know which way it's a 3-1. It's, it's, it depends on, I guess... What you think has changed since the uh, the five point fifteen patch, and who that benefits more? I have a little bit more faith in KT right now. I still have to go back and and watch, rewatch some highlights, rewatch some film, um, you know, podcast with some more people this week. But right now, I'm leaning on someday probably benefits more from this patch than literally anyone at, other planet, than Marin yeah. at this tournament. Yeah, and, and, and you know that he versus Marin matchup is a really interesting one that. You know, people will be talking about if uh, if they potentially get there, but I don't think Smeb's on that level. Smeb's good. He's not on that level, and he's had some weird teleports that have taken his team out of games at 
they otherwise would have been a part of. Yeah. So, so that's where I lean. Where, which of these matchups are you most looking forward to watching? Not which oh, one it, you think is close, just watching. EDG Fnatic. I think that's going to be the most entertaining match of the entire quarterfinals. I think it's going to be the closest. I think it's going to be most entertaining. I think uh, I think it's going to prove a lot about the team. I think makes the finals. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think that you have to believe uh, in either one of those teams upsetting KT because if we're going to assume that SKT makes it to the finals, which their path to get to the finals looks pretty easy at this point. Yeah, just because of who's on their side of the bracket. Yep, but. If you want to believe that anyone has a shot of even taking a game or making SKT sweat it out in the finals, you don't want KT there. Nope. SKT crushed KT in the playoffs for uh, for OGN. It was not particularly close. And it's and this was when SKT literally said, "Hey, play all the champions you want. Seriously, we'll give them all to you." Play exactly the composition you want, and we're going to beat it anyway. And then they did three times in a row. If, if KT is the one that's making it to the finals, uh, congratulations to SKT for the championship. So I think you're right. I think Fnatic EDG is the one to watch. But you know what else people should be watching? Uh, our Twitter accounts. Because I'm <laughs> sure we're going to be doing a lot of you know talking about, uh, about some of these games. We'll retweet a lot of stuff, I'm sure. You know, as news breaks out and as interviews come forth, we'll have a lot of opinions on these things. And, of course, uh, the Less Than Legends podcast series that I run on, uh, on Podomatic is going to have at least one episode coming out. And I believe I should be making a podcast appearance somewhere else, which is going to be very exciting. I haven't gotten to be a guest on a podcast in a long time, so it's going to be very nice to do that. Um, you can follow me on at Redshirt King if you want to make sure you're keeping up with all of that. Walter, where can they find you? You can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Yeah. And, uh, and you can find us back on Unicorn on Wednesday, 5 p.m. PST. That'll be our Flash Wolves origin breakdown. We'll go over where we think the line is. We'll go over all the prop bets. We'll go over with a, you know each individual matchup and how we think all this stuff is going to shake down. It's going to be a lot of fun, and until then, goodbye, Internet.